everyone and welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Denevsky and in today's episode I interviewed Carlin Sick, the president of Literacy for Incarcerated Teens. It was really interesting getting the chance to learn more about this organization and what it does. Unfortunately, due to the coronavirus, this interview was conducted virtually, so the audio may not be the best. However, I would definitely stick around to learn more about literacy for incarcerated teens as it's really helping a group of people often not considered. I highly recommend considering getting involved. Also, the audio will be improved for next episode. I hope you enjoy because I really enjoyed making this. I'm here with Carlin Sick, the president of Literacy for Incarcerated Teens. Ms. Sick, thank you for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. So to start, could you just share a little bit about yourself and your background? I worked for the New York Public Library for a long time, over 20 years in the Bronx. And my favorite part of my job was visiting high schools and telling students about good books to read. There were two high schools in the Bronx in secure juvenile detention centers, and I included them. The students were there at the time when other students had vacations. And it was a really heartwarming experience. I used to take young librarians with me so they could see that it was not scary. The kids were delighted to have someone visit and tell them about good books. When I retired, the librarian at one of the sites asked me if I would head up a board, and we, with some effort, got nonprofit status, and now we raise money to provide books for the libraries and centers in New York State, mostly. And we also fund programs for author visits and other uh, literacy-type programs. Nice. So could you just explain a little bit more? You already start to talk about it, about why you got involved in literacy for incarcerated teens. Like, what really defined that moment? When did you know you wanted to work with them? Well, I love visiting all the schools, and I found that the teens who were incarcerated were just like regular teens, really, they wanted books to read, and so it was a shame that they didn't have very many. So we decided that we would try to give them books. When I would visit a regular school, I could tell the students to go to the local public library and check out a book. Well, in the detention centers, they couldn't do that. So I on paperbacks, which were excess in the library, and presented those, and they really were eager to read them, and that was exciting. So after I retired, we thought, how could we keep this up? And it's been pretty successful now for 10 years. Were you kind of surprised to see, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people recognize that detention centers, obviously, 
are not always the best environment for children, but were you surprised to actually be there and see the lack of like a literacy and the lack of opportunities these children are given? Yes. Um, now the sites in the Bronx did have small libraries, but they didn't have great access when school was not in session. So I could give them books that they could take back to their rooms with them. And these sites were for age 11 to uh, 16 at the time. And I found that there were 11 year olds who were reading adult books, um, quite intelligent kids. And there were others who were reading on a very low grade level. So I would try to take a mix of books. Yeah, very nice. And you were already also talking about, but could you talk more specifically about some of the projects that you have been involved in in literacy for incarcerated teens, some of the more surprising projects that have really been helpful? Now, our first thought was to have author visits. And I had gotten to know Walter Dean Myers when I was on award committees, which he won, oh, and wow. sit beside him at various dinners. And so he came up to the Bronx with me uh, two or three times and talked with the students. And they just loved him and had very good questions. And we bought extra copies of books and paperbacks by Walter, and they would read them and ask questions. It was very successful. In New York City, we're fortunate that a lot of authors live in the area. So it hasn't been expensive to invite them to visit. One author, Paul Griffin, came. And he had such a good time with the kids that he stayed afterwards and played baseball with the boys. Oh, so, and we had um, an author who'd written a book on hip hop dance, and she came and talked to the girls and danced with them. Then we've had some programs where we funded a visit to the New Victory Theater on 42nd Street. We had to buy tickets for as many corrections officers as for students, but it was reasonable enough. They got a discount and they went to shows there a couple of times uh, that were just wonderful. And we also arranged visits to um, the Brooklyn uh, Art Museum when they were doing a, a program uh, in school, and then they could go there and learn more about what they were studying. It's uh, very nice to have a fund and be able to help the teachers when they want to do some special enrichment program. Yeah, so it definitely sounds like it's more than, even in addition to books, you also really provide these teenagers with such like life-changing experiences, and you take them out of their situation sometimes and help them see like, other experiences. So that's very cool. We hope so. Yeah. We also have had people uh, do writing workshops. And we have two currently uh, who were even able to go to Rikers Island. It took us quite a while to be able to get in there, but 
once they started doing programs there, it was very popular with the corrections officers, and they've done writing workshops there. A young woman named Gigi Blanchard has a zine called The Kite, and she has gotten students to write for The Kite, and then she prints it, and they think that's really great. And we have a, a actor, Robert Galinsky, who visits, and he does writing workshops on the, and the students can perform and act a little bit. And he uh, has been very successful with this, and they like to see him come back. What would you say are some of um, these teenagers' favorite experiences and activities overall? They do seem to really like the uh, writing workshops, that they can interact with the person, and it gives them something to think about and reflect on uh, during the week before the presenter returns. So I would say author visits and writing workshops as programs are really the best. Nice. Are there any stories of teenagers that you've worked with or know of that have really left an impression on you to this day? Yes. Um, one time I was visiting uh, in the Bronx and there was a girl who uh, discussed the book Having Our Say with me. It was a memoir of the first two black teachers. Of, well, one was a teacher at Home Ec, and the other one was a dentist. And they lived to be very old and wrote a book about their experiences in Harlem uh, during the 20s and 30s. And it was made into a play on Broadway. And there was a paperback copy of the book there, and this girl wanted to discuss it because she'd already read it. And we had a nice talk. She obviously read the book. And after she left, I was talking with the teacher, and I said, oh, I'm glad you know, nobody came who was really too young for our group, because this girl, turned out, was 11 years old. Oh, my gosh. I've never forgotten that. She was as tall as I am, and I figured she was in high school. Oh, my gosh. So it definitely seems like there's these people and these teenagers that really have intellect. They just need more opportunities, and you really provide that for them. I hope so. One heartening thing is that the population in the detention centers has dwindled. There are more alternatives to incarceration now and fewer arrests of teenagers. So there are not so many young people being ill, and that encourages me a lot. And have you seen, I'm sure, since you've been doing this for some time, have you seen teenagers who've really been affected by this and seen how later in their lives they've been affected by their experience with literacy for incarcerated teens? Well, it, there's a big privacy issue, so you can't stay in touch with the teens okay. uh, that way. But one uh, person wrote a book 
about his experience uh, being at Horizon uh, detention in the Bronx and then being in a uh, close to home site in Brooklyn and told his story. It's called A Stone of Hope by Jim Saint-Germain. And he still visits the teacher who started the literacy program with me. And he I've never met him, uh, but he is someone who went on to college and then got a graduate degree at John Jay. So definitely seems like there's plenty of success stories from working with this organization. So very special. I think it can't hurt. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And really, are there, who are the people that you'd say really help make this organization and form it? Like, who's getting involved? Well, the uh, original people were uh, employees of the Department of Education at the site in the Bronx, but they needed outsiders to do the fundraising and uh, provide support. So, I asked some of my friends who were retired librarians also, and some of their friends, and we have a little board and which meets quarterly. And mostly what we do is try to raise money to improve the libraries in these sites. A few years ago, we got a nice grant, well, last year, from the Library of Congress and that helped. And we got a grant the year before that from the Agnes Good Foundation. We had $50,000 to spend in one year. And that was a real job. Yeah, would you say that donations are really helpful to the organization and go straight into helping the teenagers? Definitely. We're all volunteers. We have one part-time paid person who writes grants, but everybody else is a volunteer. And so all the money goes right into books and programming. Nice, definitely. And how could people really best get involved and contribute overall to literacy for incarcerated teens? Well, the libraries at the sites really prefer books. That's like the book in any public or school library with the Dewey Decimal System number on the outside and a nice slick cover. So they don't want old books. What they want is funding. And we have uh, on our website, Literacy for Incarcerated Teens, a uh, little button one can click and make a small donation. And is there anything else that you'd really like to share or emphasize about literacy for incarcerated teens for everyone who's listening? Now, I hope that people who live in other parts of the state uh, will think about their local detention centers. When we had the large Art for Justice grant, we spent about three or four months trying to find all the sites. They're really scattered around, and we needed to be in touch with them. And the people who work there somehow feel very alone. And so if local people 
get in touch with them and ask how they can help. You know, some of them might want to get some books that uh, people are no longer reading that they would like to share. Uh, it's just the New York City places that don't. Could you talk a little bit more about what the lives of the teenagers are like when you really come in and help them? Because I feel like some people might not be as familiar with their experiences and what life is like for them when they're incarcerated. Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of boredom because they, there they are with nothing to do. So after my visits uh, to the sites, corrections officers used to tell me how much better the kids behaved if they had something to read. And that's just normal. If people are bored, they're going to act up. So I think they spend a lot of time with nothing much to do. So that's why we really tried to provide as many programs and books and magazines also for them to read. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I definitely would say. So it seems like you help all different levels of educated versus like non-educated children too. We do our best. Yeah. And yeah, so how many detention centers overall, how many, like how far reaching and how many people are you really working with? Well, we found there are over 80 detention centers in New York State and some are small, maybe only half a dozen people and some are large. The larger ones upstate gradually been closed due to a program called Close to Home. It turned out that a lot of New York City kids were being sent upstate and were abused. And Human Rights Watch, among others, got involved investigating. And now they have more home-like sites scattered around uh, in the Bronx and Brooklyn where they have smaller groups of students and then those students go to a special school. They, uh, it seems to work much better I think. Yeah, would you say that their experiences have really changed over time? Like there's definitely been reforms to this kind of system for these types of teenagers? Has it changed? it has. Um, I was working in the Bronx when it was really the peak of uh, teenage incarceration and now it's come down a lot. There are students in programs called alternatives to incarceration where they have writing workshops and, and it was really a nice experience and kids read things they could written and, and you just couldn't imagine that it didn't yeah. And would you say that there's definitely still like a long way to go though? Yes, as you know, the COVID-19 epidemic here was a wonderful example of how slow the prison system was to act. It makes me very sad to think of those people trapped there and many of the corrections officers didn't really believe that a pandemic was coming at first. 
and we just uh, felt very bad about the kids that were there and hoped that they would release more of them to go home. But definitely seems like literacy for incarcerated teens is doing everything you can to help and contribute, really. We really try to focus on giving them books, magazines, and programs that will enrich their lives. Yeah, I think that education and really opportunities and resources are such important thing to provide these teens with during such an important part of their lives. So that's really cool. And of course, now everybody's heading toward ebooks. Yeah. So we're trying to raise money to be able to purchase uh, ebooks for the libraries in the site so the students can uh, have ebooks to read, which should be a real innovation. Yeah, definitely. And with that, I'm sure comes a lot of different new technologies and new things that new things they can read at once. So that's very interesting. Now, the department, uh, the correction office people don't let them have internet sales. Uh, so having an ebook is okay. Oh. So I hope you know, they can learn a little So it seems like by giving them opportunities reading-wise, it's really giving them other opportunities in general for their lives. We hope so. And what's one thing that you'd want to leave us with before we go? One thing that you'd really like to emphasize, as I said before, and stick with us? <laughs> well, I hope that so much. I think this is really informative and hopefully a lot more people get to learn more about your organization. So thank you.